know, one of the really beautiful things about having a podcast that doesn't have any real boundaries in terms of topics is that I'm getting a constant education about a lot of things I don't know about. I profess this. I don't know much. But I think we all really don't know much, especially if we stick to the things that make us comfortable. It's good to be stretched and to be educated and learn more about this amazing world we have. But it's also good to go back to things that are familiar and just to have good collegial conversations with people. Today on Dr. D's Social Network, the guest is Brooke Pizzo. Brooke is a longtime friend and colleague of mine. I'm really happy to have someone on who knows me really well and uh, that we have experienced so much together. So please enjoy the conversation that I've had with Brooke Pizzo. It's kind of my continual movement to be more enlightened as a human for me. I'm always on that journey, Brooke. Yeah. You know? Yes, you are. <laughs> Let me tell everyone how we met. I think it'd be very interesting because I don't often have people on that I've known for a really long time. And I've interviewed people from all over the world, but I think it's a great story, honestly. It is a good, it's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. So how do we meet from your perspective? Well, if we if we have to tell this part of the story, then you have to have the the backstory, right? So, I uh, had faced some circumstances in our life where, in my family's life, where I, after being um, working from home and kind of a stay at home mom for many years, um, our life had changed. My husband's career had changed, and I needed to go to work, and. I was a, you know, passionate about fitness and had long been, um, you know, exercising and sort of training my friends, um, on, you know, sort of un- un- unofficially or not professionally and decided if I was going to go to work and really I needed to help pay for my daughter's gymnastics. She was a competitive gymnast and that is like a car payment, <laughs> uh, every month. Mm-hmm. And, and like a nice car too. And <laughs> so, so I decided that if, if, you know, we had to make some choices and we, we thought if she was going to continue doing this, that, that I would go to work. And, and I, I decided that if I was going to go to work and take time from my family, that it better be something that I really enjoy. And I don't just want to clock in and clock out somewhere. And, you know, so I decided to pursue a career as a personal trainer and, the environment that, that we met in, that environment was not even on my radar as an option of, of where you might work as a personal trainer. I had thought like, oh, well, you, you either work at a big box gym or you work for yourself. This was maybe just around the time the boutique facilities were even becoming kind mm-hmm. of a 
a thing. But I had shared with one of the other moms at the gymnastics facility um, that I was going to work to pay for gymnastics. And she said, well, and I don't even remember, I don't know this woman's name and I never saw her again. And I always find that so strange. <laughs> she like impacted, tremendously impacted my life. And it also speaks to the power of just helping someone. And you, you have no idea what kind of impact you're going to have on someone's life because she literally has changed my life. But she said, well, I know where you need to work. Um, you need to go work for this guy, Darian Parker. And I, I mean, I didn't even know where it was or who you were or, and I was like, I mean, okay. <laughs> and, she <laughs> said, and she said, here is his, she said, if you want to, you know, be a trainer and you, here's his phone number, call him. And so I kind of, that was like in mid February and I was just about ready to take my certification um, exam. And so I kind of wanted to wait until I of course had the results of that exam mm -hmm. before I contacted you. So I, I waited um, the couple weeks, uh, to get my results, you know, to take my test and get my results back before I contacted you. And I, um, I think I left, I just left you a message. And I think so. It's hard to remember that, that part <laughs> for me. Well, I, this, I, well, I left you a message. That's right. I left you a message and you called me back and, and I, I was like, oh, I don't, I have no idea what this is. You called me back and left me a message and I still have the voicemail. Uh, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have it saved on my phone and I listen Whoa. to it because it Whoa. just, yeah. <laughs> um, you're going to make me cry. Wow. It's okay. I bought, uh, several people have cried on here. <laughs> you won't be the first. And you, and you told me that you would love to speak with me. And so we set up an interview and that was, um, the day after my birthday. And, um, and I, I came in for an interview and that's, that's, that's how we met. Yeah. It was a, a interesting time for me because I was trying to figure out like where we were going to go at this club. Um, and I needed a lot of good people and I was just growing myself. I'm like, how do I continue to take this process of become more enlightened and understand myself. And, and I want to help other people right. become better. I want to people to come and work at this place. And, uh, and it's more than a job. Like they're gonna, they're gonna like grapple with themselves, which I think you didn't anticipate that <laughs> coming in. I mean, I, who would? <laughs> I definitely did not. And it kind of, to be honest, it kind of pissed me off in the beginning a little bit. Like, I was a little bit like, it's, it's the guy is all up like in my business, like, and, <laughs> and, and I don't, I, I mean, I, that's a little, there's always a little truth in jest. Like I, mm -hmm. you know, but I, it was disarming at first. Yeah. I think that was probably the sentiment with a lot of people. Um, I mean, cause I wanted it to be a very different work experience and like, you know, you want to make money for gymnastics and pay for that. And I'm like, oh, we're going to change some people's lives here. <laughs> we're going to like, we're going to break you down and build you into the best possible version of yourself. Yeah. I, de I never advertised that <laughs> with anybody. Well, who, like, that's a painful process. Like, no one's signing up for that. <laughs> so that's why no, you can't advertise so. it. That's why I couldn't tell anybody. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I, I do remember you sitting there on the couch and because you were facing the fireplace and the place and and we're coming out and and meeting you. I definitely remember that it was like slow motion. You turning around, and <laughs> meeting you, and the whole thing. You had very short hair then. I remember that. I did have very short hair. Yeah, very short hair. And uh, you just had a, I don't know. There was kind of this magnetic pull. And as as you showed me, you know, the notes that I made on that notepad, <laughs> and which was pretty funny. I was like, oh man, that was a long time ago. And uh, I felt like I needed to make space, you know, for you, even though kind of financially in the club, I was like, uh, eh, probably shouldn't do this, but, you know, got to get good people in here. You got to take some chances, you know? Yeah. And uh, I remember that you were, I had you at nighttime working for a little bit. <laughs> I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I, I mean, I was at that was, and I was like closing on Wednesday nights, opening on Thursday mornings. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then there was like opening every day. I, it, my, the role I, I worked there for, it was so interesting because it, how quickly I maybe only worked there for a couple months. And you told me, you, you know, in the interview that was really just a great conversation that we had felt less like an interview and more like a really great conversation between two friends. Um, you had said, well, you know, I really don't have, I really don't have anything. I don't, I can't offer you, you know, anything or, or I can't, I don't have much for you. And, and I, so I, you know, I was prepared at that point to say, okay, well, here's my, I'll leave my very limited resume. I mean, I have other experience, sales experience and mm-hmm. my background is sales, but as far as fitness, professional fitness experience, you know, uh, I was completely green and, and I, and I, and I, you know, we should also say that I came to the career late. I was 35 years old. Yeah. Um, and so I just said, well, you know, uh, okay, well, you know, I will, I, I was prepared to leave my very limited resume on your desk. And you said, and, you know, and, and I, give me a call if, if you have something. And you said, oh no, 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 I, I'm going to make, I'm going to create a space for you. I'm going to find a space for you. And that, that was so impactful to me. And your, and it's actually your whole, (laughs) your, you know, your whole philosophy is, has really been impactful to me and is really your legacy here because I've done that very same thing. I just, I just recently um, hired someone who is coming to the career late. He's actually having to sort of reinvent himself um, due to COVID, right? He was an event production, mm-hmm. like rigor, and had done that for 25 years and was, had kind of moonlighted in fitness and, you know, very much a fitness enthusiast. And what's interesting mm-hmm. um, <laughs> is he was an obstacle course racer, which is, one of the things, it reminded me of me So funny because that's what you, one of the, my first tasks was to like, kind of get a Cleveridge's obstacle course kind of yeah. racing class or team or something. And, but he's very green as a fitness professional and is really having to, to, to start over in something. And he's 49 years old and, and it just really it was so interesting now being on this side of it and your, and your legacy with me and how you 
gave me the opportunity. Um, it's, it's, you know, not only impacting me, but impacting others eight years later. That's amazing. That's really cool. I mean, it's a nice story to hear. I mean, it's incredible. Fascinating to me is that you were pissed off about the things that I would do. I'm like, oh, I want to learn mean, about this pissed offness. <laughs> that's that, okay. Maybe that's strong. Well, I don't know. Like, no, it was confronting. I think that that's, you know, I came to you with a background and you zeroed in on it, mm -hmm. you know, of some, you know, exercise addiction uh -huh. and disordered eating. And you, you know, you, you really helped me sort of examine those things and, and kind of, you know, honestly uncover you know, I knew about the disordered eating part. I didn't really know about the exercise addiction part. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you kind of helped me uncover that. Well, we had a, I remember all of those conversations very vividly. And I remember, I mean, this is kind of lighthearted, but I remember it was like this whole thing about getting fitter. I need mean, more fit. <laughs> more fitter. Fit. I was like, what I does that mean? Like, anybody who knows me and like I talk with them like I ask so I ask well what does that mean like what is more fit like well what is that why is this you know and and you'd be like well I just want to be more fit and I was like I was like okay bro <laughs> and I think it's it was kind of the 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 growth of that whole element in our community, our fitness community, because yeah. I think it was something that was really just starting to come online is, you know, exercise addiction. And clearly in our country, we have a huge issue with obesity, a growing, continually growing issue in sedentarism. But I think on our side of the equation, the pressure to be, to look a certain way and to be yeah. this beacon of fitness is, um, it's a real thing. Uh, you know, I don't know how high a percentage of it is the whole thing, but I remember that was a, that was a significant conversation we had, you know? Well, and it, it really was so eye opening for me. It really made me evaluate, you know, my identity outside of fitness, mm. right? Like you, um, you know, helped me kind of with some self-love and acceptance. Um, and, but also it, it really, I started to become so aware of recognizing it in other fitness professionals. Mm. And, you know, cause it takes one to know one, you know, kind of, right. Um, right. And, and also disordered eating in other fitness professionals. And I am, mm. it is a, it's such a problem in our industry. And the scary thing is, is that these people are coaching. <laughs> right. They're coaching their clients. And, and now, you know, I, and, 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 you know, I've got some trainers who are very, you know, very good friends of mine, but I hear, and I respect them, you know, I think they're very good trainers, but then I hear, and, and, and it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. Um, you know, I was in a, uh, you know, because I still like to, I, I always like to be trained by a trainer or take a class because it keeps me in the, 
keeps my finger on the pulse of like what our, how our clients feel and what they're, you know, and when I hear a trainer say like, oh, how's your diet? Eating clean? Or, mm. you know, or, um, hey, you look good. Did you lose, you know, X, Y, Z? I'm just like, uh, I just die inside because you have no idea. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, now, now you've equated that person. Now that person's, you know, worth is attached to, oh, I, 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 I look good because I, I lost a couple pounds. So now my worth is attached to the, uh, it's just, there's a, it's, it's rampant and it's insidious and it's like runs in the background of our industry. And I don't know what the solution is. I'm discouraged by it. Yeah. I actually am somewhat discouraged by it too. And I think we've had this discussion too. I want to pivot to this because I think we have definitely had this discussion in the office before back in the day, but I think we were also discussing kind of like the rise of influencers yes. and, you know, the difference between an influencer, a hobbyist, and more of your serious fitness professional, um, one that's like their career. I feel like looking back on that, those discussions, and now where it's become huge influencers and and things of that nature, I pose this to some of my other fitness colleagues is, where are we at in the state of our, the fitness industry, obviously with COVID and all these things like that, but where do you see the industry as being now and where is it going as you've been in the business for a while now? Um, I mean, I, so a couple years ago with the rise of social media, so Instagram started in 2012 about, and that's when it really like, you know, hashtag fitspiration really took off, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that there has been and and the rise of the influencer i th- i think that we're i think that we are moving I, so there's a, there are as many influences as there are right because they figured out how to make a living doing this thing right you know there are you, you're not one of them cuz you're not on instagram <laughs> no 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 way <laughs> but, but i i i you know in some sense, I don't know if that's a good, you know, I know I understand your reasons for not, but I feel like we have to have the good ones on there to block the noise. Hmm. That's an interesting perspective. Um, so, you know, I'm not trying to be too heavy handed. Like you have a responsibility, (laughs) 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 but we need the good ones on there to be able to point out these quote unquote experts who are not experts at all, just because Mm. they have so many followers or, um, and, and, and I, I am, and you know, who knows really, because maybe it's just, that's because of who I tend to follow. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, I am very careful about who I follow on Instagram. Um, I only follow the real experts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I think that there is some recognition. I think we are getting some recognition now because it's been so long where we, where people, maybe, maybe the general public is starting to be able to, to recognize, um, 
but also the algorithms of how things get posted and noticed on social media, mm -hmm. that's part of the problem as well. So yes. as far as where fitness is going, I mean, it's definitely, you know, the, the virtual, uh, component is here to stay. You were, you were on that early. You were an early adopter of virtual and yeah. I, I texted you a month in two weeks into the shutdown and, or maybe even just the first week and said, uh, Hey, uh, you're looking pretty smart right now <laughs> because, <laughs> Uh, you know, and you said, well, yeah, I mean, global pandemic wasn't on my radar at the time, but, yeah. um, you know, the virtual, the on demand, you know, online, uh, content is, is definitely here to stay. And I guess it just depends on, on so, so much of it largely depends on the algorithms of how things get noticed and posted yeah. as to what content is out there. But I think that there are very good, um, trainers putting that, putting content out there and, and virtually training. And, and I hope to see, um, the rise of them as well. Not just, not just the, the quote unquote experts. Yeah. It was interesting. I, I struggle with how much I want to be in the industry in terms of like my influence in it. Mm -hmm. Obviously I'm in the industry, but like how much media I want to do or contribute to different organizations and so I'm on a few committees now and I've kind of stepped back into that aspect with larger organizations and stuff. And it's good. Yeah. And, but it's also weird because I don't feel like I'm part of them in many ways. And because a lot of what, what I notice is still in the majority of kind of your leading experts in the business, you know, they're in big gyms or they're in big, huge organizations or they, you know, they have their own gym facilities, like brick and mortar places. Mm -hmm. And I think we have very different ideas about the business. And, um, and it was even one guy, which I thought was very interesting. He was heavily against virtual training, heavily. Mm. Huge club on the East Coast, like manages overseas, like five or six or something, huge commercial clubs. And he goes, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm, I believe with all my heart that virtual training will be dead. They will not uh, exist. It will be over. And he's, I could be wrong, but I, I just don't think so. And I was like, wow, I mean, I, I, that felt very short-sighted to me. Yeah. It felt like it was from an emotional place. Of sure. The scared, like this is fear. happening. This fear. Yes, it's fear, you know, versus saying this is a good compliment. It will never replace in-person stuff. No, I mean, who's stupid to say that? Like that's, you want to be around people. However, you know, our life is headed this way. It's not even just fitness. It is VR, Every, augmented yeah. reality, holographic technology. It's to, to say it's none of that is going to happen is denying that this is exponentially changing our lives for that. So I don't know. It's just weird to me. I feel like I'm in this business, but I also have very different ideas. It's like when I was at the club, like how we train at the club and I would go anywhere else. I would never see that version of training. It was always like very clunky, very messy. And I was like, oh, we're doing stuff here. Nobody else is doing this. Not in a cocky way. It's just like, this was creativity. It was science and stuff. It wasn't gimmicky, you know? Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of gimmickness into fitness, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I feel so fortunate to have been. I mean, I... um 
to, to have like this be the my you know my first professional gig yeah. right this is where i cut my teeth i mean you know i had been a fitness enthusiast that's that's different than being a fitness professional and i think that that's that's maybe like the the difference on like the influencers, like, mm. are they fitness enthusiasts or yeah. are they fitness professionals? <laughs> enthusiasts. There is a difference. I, a lot of enthusiasts. Right. I know a lot of people who are not in the business that love fitness like crazy. Sure. Like they're into it more than I am on some level. I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm like, but that, you know, they don't really know anything, <laughs> you know, I'm like just like working out. And I always tell trainers, I still, I'm like, it's not a good enough reason to become a trainer. Uh, it's right. It's just not and like a lot of people like to work out and a lot of people don't, but it's so much deeper, di- deeper. It's a, it's a philosophy. It's, it's a, there's a, there's, it's a performance. It is a great ballet training somebody. It mm-hmm. is, <laughs> it is such a deep emotional experience. I know I sound out there saying this, but I really believe that in training. I, every one of my sessions, I always have felt and still feel that it, this is my concerto. This is my stage and how I present myself. And I don't think that's always the case. It's like, oh, I know the client here and blah, 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 this. And I'm like, it's not like that to me. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a gift of like sort of doing one of, one of the things that you really do best and, and being able to, you know, I, I, I mean, I feel honored to be able to help someone on their journey um, to, you know, health and wellness. And, you know, I, I think my philosophy has changed a little, you know, as it should, right. Your philosophy should Mm -hmm. maybe evolve. Right. Of course. Of course. You know, I, I feel, you know, sort of working out in the gym used to be, and this is for me personally, like that was the goal kind of like just crush it in the gym. And now, and maybe it's because I've gotten older, but it's like, I, okay, I want to do the things in the gym to make me better for the things I like to do outside of the gym. Mm-hmm. And when you're working with clients and especially older clients, uh, you know, you want to help them be better at life <laughs> yes. and they're, you know, being able to do the activities of life and do the things they enjoy and get down on the floor with, you know, their grandkids. And that goes so far beyond just, you know, killing it in the gym. There has to be purpose and meaning and thought and into what you're doing and how it's going to impact them outside those walls. And I think so. And one of the things I also noticed Brooke, and maybe we talked about this back, but I also noticed that the longer you're in the business, a lot of trainers actually don't end up training that much the longer they're in the business. Mm-hmm. And they end up taking on more management or corporate roles. And that start that that sense of training people regularly starts to fade. And they may have a few people there. And I was very cognizant of that, that I never wanted to let that aspect of it mm-hmm. go. Because I feel like that's the center of it. That's yeah, the, the relationships. It's the, whole, <laughs> it's, the, it's the whole thing that brought us here. It's yeah. The, it's the whole reason we do what we do and, and, and even why we're in the position that we're in. And, you know, I, I can't speak to this definitively, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I, I probably train for the, uh, you know, 
in our company's portfolio of all of the mm-hmm. the directors out there, I would say that I if if I if I if I don't train the most of any director, I am in the top handful. <laughs> has to be. Has to be. I mean, I'm tr- you know, I still have you know, I would say 17 to 20 hours a week of my own mm-hmm. personal clients, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and actually I think for me over time like I've flipped on that somewhat and I think it's just I just think it's good. I just, you know, I think too many trainers get away from being being a trainer, whether they own their own studio or they're working in a big gym and they've moved up in the ladder, whatever it is, they just they just start loosening that grip on training people. You know, mm-hmm. and and it makes me wonder whether they actually really wanted to do that. You know, whether the goal was just to move up and leave that whole kind of grinding lifestyle of like, you know, getting clients, working with them, retaining them, because it's not easy. It's definitely not a easy lifestyle. I mean, anytime you have to work and you, you know, you get paid only when you work type of thing. Yeah, that's hard. And I think the one thing I've noticed in the business over the years is like, there's a real there's a real art to that and maintaining clientele, picking up new people, having that charisma. And I think sometimes a lot of trainers, I've seen a lot of new trainers over my time is they don't, they, they don't understand their own personality. Like you, you have a great personality. Like you, you were, I knew that immediately when I, the first, I remember the first session you had, I think we both remember the first person you worked with, which was challenging without <laughs> saying anything. Under yeah. understatement to say that it's challenging, mm-hmm. but you handled it so well, and you have this very magnetic personality, and you're easy to get along with. And I knew then I was like, "This is what yeah. really is part. This is what makes somebody good at this job. You got to have that part, and that part is like it kind of either there, or it's not, mm-hmm. you know." For the, and I think some trainers they don't know whether they have that part, the dialogue, the you know, the laughter. The mm-hmm. conversation, and it, I think if you don't have that, you're kind of dead in the water at that point. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting that you say, and and thank you for those kind words mm-hmm. that you have, have said about me. Um, but what's interesting is those same qualities I think are what makes the difference between trainers who can be successful in the virtual space. And yes. Not. Um, you know, I've got we have there's about three or four of us. Um, over, you know, here in our facility mm-hmm. that are doing virtual sessions. And I, you know, we have them interspersed throughout the day in between sort of our live clients too. So at any given time, you, and this, this was, this was your vision mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's awesome that it's, I mean, it, it's, it's coming to light here now, but where you would look around and see, oh, there's, there's a trainer doing a session virtually. There's trainers training live. And, you know, so at any given time we've got we have some virtual going, we've got some live going, mm-hmm. but, um, I have one that is doing virtual because his clients really want it. Yeah. He, he really, he really hates it. He really <laughs> hates it. And he, he looks sort of wooden and, um, and I, and I've said like, you know, what, like I've tried to kind of, I said, how, like kind of, kind of, I've tried to kind of help him nail down what it is about it that he doesn't like. And, and he's just like, yeah. I just, uh, just, 
I don't know. It just feels so awkward to me. And it just feels like it's just, there's just dead space and it's just, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it, it is interesting to me that the qualities that you need to be successful at virtual training aren't necessarily, I mean, I think that you do need to be a very good mm-hmm. personal trainer. It really tests your acumen as a personal trainer, but the qualities that make you successful at the virtual space are all those intangibles that are. Yeah. And that's why I think during the pandemic here, um, I think a lot of trainers stopped training from, from my observation commentary, being on panels, you know, um, different research. A lot of trainers got out because it just, it's a difficult platform to master Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. And if you don't have that, if you relied solely on in-person, which, you know, the majority of people have, and you weren't really ready to pivot or willing to pivot, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a, it's a profession that's easy to get out of. I mean, I think I'd was when I was on a panel and talking to some other, um, my colleagues, they, they were telling me these crazy stats of like, you know, the majority, like something crazy, like 85, 90% of trainers don't last past a year. That's insane. Of, that's insane. Well, yeah. <laughs> like it's but truly maybe, a hobby, you know, like. Right. I, I think that goes back to your point that like, maybe they didn't really want to do it. I, yeah. It was just something they were doing in the meantime. And that's, I mean, that's okay too, you know. Yeah, you try, but it's, it doesn't doesn't bode well for our profession. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we get a lot of kind of real estate agents. I was going to say real estate. You know, a lot of, I don't know what it is about the real estate agents. Be a trainer, insurance people, you know, like I'm going to do my real passion, be a trainer. And it's just strange. I don't know, but it's, I've said in, in many different speaking engagements, I have that we're never going to reach the heights of where we can be if we continue to have this very splintered industry where there's like 8 billion certifications, you know, it's like we got 25 different belts for the championship and nobody knows who the real champion is. You know, it's like, and we were and I don't see any movement to really change that. And if it's not a rigorous thing, somewhat rigorous, I and mean, when you, when anything you do is a very low entry point, it, it waters down what you're doing sure. on some level. And I think we've never had a rigorous entry point or at least somewhat rigorous entry point into the profession. And most of the consumers are extremely naive about what any of those sure. serve. So they don't know. So it's not no. like they have an idea. So it's like, okay, I mean, your trainer could actually have an expired uh, certification and the you know, consumer wouldn't know. You know. I, I think they don't even know that, that you need to be, I mean, I, you know. <laughs> Like that there is any certificate. I mean, they're not, they're not asking for it. They're not, I've never once had anyone ask me Yeah. like, you know, oh, are you certified? I mean, maybe they just assume, but. Yeah. Like who's breaking down? Like a client's like, well, tell me what that means. Like tell me the rigor, the pass rate for yours. Nobody says that. Like, you know. Well, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, my daughter is a cosmetology school. You know, mm. She's a cosmetologist, you know, her board, you know, she had to take state board exams yeah. to be able to, you know, and this is no disrespect to cosmetologists, but like she, she can't paint someone's nails in a salon, you know, or give a manicure yeah. without passing those state boards. Like, um, and yet we can 
you know, we can, you know, have just go take a two day, a mail in. I mean, I don't know. There's pretty bad, actually. It's bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's still bad all these years later. It's like, really? I mean, and there's some good people fighting some great fights in, you know, um, in the government trying to get things done through URSA and IDEA and all these things. And sometimes, and I am part of these organizations. I hope they're not upset that I say this, but like, it's kind of like we're pissing in the wind a little bit too. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like it's, those are great initiatives to want to do and to get people fitter and to bring legislation. But I had Graham Melstrand, who was one of the vice presidents at uh, ACE on my show. And I'm pretty point blank with a lot of these guys. I've had several of them and I'm like, what's being done? Because I heard a while ago, like different states like Maryland and stuff, they were trying to get an actual license and you had to be licensed in each state. And he's like, that's pretty much just gone quiet throughout the years. You know, they don't pass it. And I think for the general, for like in the government's like sludge, but it's not important. It's not important to them. It's not a topic, which is so ironic because it maybe should be one of the most important things. Right. About our country. And, you know, like seriously, Brooke, like in 30 years, 15 to 18 percent of Americans exercise. It hasn't changed in 30 years, that percentage. So I always press like, what are we doing wrong or what is the issue here? You know? Yeah, it's those, you know, those statistics combined with the rising statistics of chronic health issues, mm-hmm. you know, um, like if you really want to fix, uh, address, you know, some of the, the health issues of Americans, the chronic health issues, exercise is, is, is one of the keys. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, having, having that be an issue that's at the forefront and supporting that industry seems like it would be pretty critical, critically important. I mean, think about what we're going through in this pandemic. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And I feel for so many people who've had lost loved ones and have just um, dealt with a difficult time, you know, but, it also has exposed how unhealthy our nation is mm-hmm. as well. This, the comorbidities, the rampant levels of obesity. I mean, we're at 42% obesity in the United States. That is mind-blowing. Wow. And if you add in obesity plus overweight, you're looking it's in like 69, 60, 70. Yep. Yeah. Two-thirds. Percent. Can you imagine? And then in 20 years, it's projected to be at like 60% obesity which means that'll mean we're probably in the 80s for overweight and obese. That means a person like you and me will literally be like a unicorn walking around. It will well, be the, so outrageous to see people like us. <laughs> well, and the, the, the other thing that I think is, so, I, you know, for my, you know, as you know, I'm in school and yeah. um, a population that I, you know, that I keep coming back to focus on, you know, through different courses, they've, you know, different projects have had you pick certain populations. And I, I keep coming back to children because I'm a mom. And I, I think that's probably why I kind of gravitate to that. But the state of our youth, it's so, it's so discouraging. 
And what we know about obesity, you know, and we're learning more and more about obesity every day, but what we know about it um, now is that like once that happens physiologically, right, it's really difficult to turn the tide, yeah. right, hormonally, um, the way that, the you know, it changes your metabolism just um, – and so once that train is is going, it's not that it can't be done, but it's very, very challenging. And so really any, you know, primary prevention, you know, any primary efforts to to combat obesity has to start before someone's obese, right? Mm. So uh, not un- waiting until their BMI is, you know, or yeah. or like – and so what you're talking about is prevention efforts should be focused on two to five-year-olds. <laughs> I That's mean, crazy. That's isn't, amazing. That, wow. isn't that insane? Like, wow. like if we're going to get, if we're going to change the obesity epidemic, we have to start with young kids. Yeah. That's how we're going to change it. I just don't, I, I don't want to be like, I'm a pretty positive person, but I'm like, this feels like a freight train to me I'm going so downhill, sorry. you know, you like, no, but it's, it's, you know, this projection of where we're going to be. And I, I've talked to a lot of intelligent people about this very high up and in, in fitness people who are not just, gen, I want to get a big, cross, you know, cross section and nobody seems to be able to figure out how this is actually going to occur. Like everybody's pretty much like, Yep, we're headed there. It's what's it's going to happen, and is that we're just we're just moving in that direction. Well, and I know? think that like so. Okay, we have to look at so this is going to bring this around to okay. So obesity, we have to address obesity in youth. Okay, so why are you know let's let's talk about that. All right, so obesity disproportionately affects minorities. Mm-hmm. You know, like so. Uh, where it might be around 10% um, in, you know, white youth, it's more like 18 to 20% in yeah. minorities. And, wh- and, well, and why is that? Well, that's because they don't live in safe communities. Um, they don't have parks um, that are uh, – they don't have – they live in food deserts, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, they – they are stuck in, uh, you know, they, they, they have to go to the after-school programs at school because, you know, they're, they're, their parents don't have the resources to put them in, um, you know, sports or – Yeah. Is it like – so that's a whole <laughs> – that's, that's, that's another whole side issue, not even a side, main issue, right? Like that yeah. is – um, a big cause and needs to be addressed. Yeah. I, I know I afflu- affluent kids don't have the same rate of obesity as kids from lower, you know, socioeconomic circumstances. Pretty crazy outlook on these things. You know, it's, it's whether, is it a priority to us as a nation to fix those things? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like it is. I mean, there's amazing individuals doing some good work out there, but like the seismic change, like thinking like, man, you know, a lot of the country is just going to wake up and start realizing I need to be in better condition. Eh, 
(laughs) I know. And and like, you know, going back to your point, like a pandemic, like, you know, one of the reasons why it hit, I mean, we can, there's a a whole political rabbit hole that we can go down and we we shouldn't do that here, but, um, but one of the reasons why it has affected, affected the United States (laughs) in such a way is because, you know, like when you looked at Italy, like it was mostly old people. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But like here it's been, you know, it's, it's, it's people in their thirties, forties, young people. And that's because of all the underlying health issues here. Yeah, totally. And, but you know what also Brooke, I I would like to get your opinion on this because it's kind of a, I don't know. I know we haven't talked about this, but this whole aspect of like, there's this weird level of identification sometimes with being in a certain group. So I've even read information, talked to people where, well, let me bring around this way. Let's take, for example, people who are deaf. And, and so like there was a group of people will say, well, don't you want to be have a cochlear implant so that you can hear? And they'll say, well, I, being deaf is not a handicap or a disability. Like, I don't want to be able to hear because there's nothing wrong with me type of thing. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly, there are there are segments of people who like identify with being obese or mm-hmm. overweight. And they're like, well, what's wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with me. I am, accept me this way. And I've seen this kind of start to, st- I'm usually on the, the edge of stuff like this when it starts happening. I, I really like start looking at these things. So we're getting in this where we're on this freight train going downhill with this with the uh obesity and now we're getting a population of people who are like, "Well, there's nothing wrong with me." You know, I'm I'm fine. And I'm like, "Wait a minute. What's going on? What just happened here?" <laughs> you know. I, I know and I so I I think I understand like and I I you know, there's the body positive or right. body positivity, right? Like and I think it is, a, I think it is a difficult conversation to have, you know, like going back to what we were talking about earlier about, um, disordered eating and mm-hmm. people's self-worth. And, and so I think we do have to find a way and, and I am not, this is way above my pay grade. I am, I don't know, but where we have to get the message that like your you you are worthy um and uh, you're worthy of love and acceptance and um but this is this is a health issue yeah and you know i've there's um a nutritionist that i follow that that she's um you know she doesn't even use words like she doesn't say obese she doesn't say yeah. obesity um, and that there's all this stigma attached to it. And, and I, I see that, I see that point. I see that side to it. And so I don't know what, um, you know, especially going back to like, we know that once that, once the train is going in that direction, it, yeah. it may be very hard for them to reverse that. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know, but I think I've, that, yeah. I think the way we have to, it is, is that's, that's why our efforts have to be focused on youth before it happens. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. So it's a longitudinal thing. It's going to (sighs) take. 
<laughs> like how long? I don't. I don't. We, I mean, we're not going to be alive, man. We're not going to be alive. <laughs> right. We but ain't going to be alive. And that, and I think that that's why there's not really an appetite to address it because it's just going to take so long to see the results of it that like, you know, yeah. we have short attention spans, right? Like you want yes. a, a quick fix and this is not a quick fix. No, no, it's not. It's just, it's unnerving to me. Like when you were saying about the nutritionist saying that I've, I've been in lectures and I've heard that same thing. And it kind of made me, it was just weird on some level to me because I was like, I mean, this is, I mean, okay, so what, what, what's the terminology then? It's almost like there's so much political correctness about things. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying we should fat shame people, not at all. You know me, I'm not about anything no. like that. However, no. you have to call to attention that this is not a good condition to be in. Right. And that that, that one condition is the cause for other conditions related mm -hmm. to it. So, yeah. it's, but so like, if you can't say what it is, then how can you address what something is? If you can't even call it something that's a medical terminology, you know? Right. It's a slippery yeah. slope, honestly, to be on, to kind of promote the body positivity, which is fine, but to deny that there is nothing happening. Like, okay. Right. Like, so I just think it's, it's a weird time with a lot of stuff uh, with that, but I think it's really, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. It's just one, it's this whole thing, health and wellness in the United States. is just so confusing to me, honestly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I know. Well, and, and like, you know, it's confusing to you. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I've been exactly. <laughs> I'm confused and I've been doing this a long time. I have a lot of education. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not, Brooke. It's like, it's just confusing. It's just like, it goes back to kind of the whole thing. It's like, you make a good point. You know, you got to have the good people on things like Instagram and stuff. I struggle with that. I'm all about being open about my struggles with those things. But, and maybe that's even more apparent with like, sometimes you have podcast hosts and they're pumping up, you know, the David Goggins of the world and stuff who are like so extreme and are, and saying so many negative things and they're, oh, I'm helping people lose weight, but the, their version of it is a very nasty, aggressive yeah. version of it. And I'm like, that's not the person you should, I'm sorry if you guys, anybody listening is into that. I don't know him. <laughs> I'm just saying what I have seen, because what you're projecting is all I know about the thing. Right. Right. And that's not it. That's not it for me. I don't think that's the way, but that is popular. You know, so well, it's, it's just like the, you know, Biggest Loser um, show, yeah. which, you know, like, OK, let's let's see where those people are now. Like the damage right. that was done to many of those bodies, the metabolic damage that oh was gosh. done to those bodies from uh, that woman. <laughs> yes. Oh, that woman. We already we know who that is. We know. I can't is. stand her. Like. That's so it was so irresponsible and so uh, detrimental to to our industry and to um, to people's mindsets about yeah. the way you should treat your body and exercise and and eat even I mean just yeah yeah it's sad because there's a lot of influence that these types of folks have. And, you know, listen, I, I, I don't know them personally. We don't know them. And right. I don't want to be negative, but I'm just saying whatever you project 
out there is what people are going to uh, to know about you. And that's the strange, weird time we live in is like, are you what you post? If you're not, then you probably should tell us what you are for real. <laughs> because I can tell you for me, and I know you, Brooke, you're from what I've known, you're not a big like social media person that I've known and stuff like that. Maybe that's changed, but no, like really. you're you, you're kind of like behind the scenes. You're like, eh, whatever, you know, type of, you know, like you're just grinding. I know you work a lot. You're grinding. Boom, boom. Brooke's a grinder. Anybody doesn't know she grinds big time. Mm-hmm. And you know, we've all kind of like behind the scenes people, but I think when you meet us, you're getting us, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not sure if th- that is those people in their quiet moments when they're by themselves. I don't know if that's them. And it, I'm just curious about that, you know? That's a good point. Like, are you that person when you're walking on a hiking trail and you're in the forest, Is are you shouting and screaming at people? You know, <laughs> are you putting, you know, when you're with your kids and you put them to bed at night, is that you? Is that you? Like, I want to know people for who they actually are in all forms. I don't want this celebrity version of you or this social media version of you. Give me you. I want to see you type of thing. I think it's harder than ever to determine that with people. These yeah. Times. But uh, I went on my rant. That's enough. No, <laughs> no I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, You know, honestly, the one reason I've kept, you know, because now as, you know, the club, we have, that's how we have to engage, you know, the residents and so many people. And so I've, I've kept it because that I am responsible for putting out like, you know, social media content. And it's, it's very, you know, you can do it without it being on your phone. And, but it's, it's, it just makes it from a work you know, flow standpoint, it just makes it super easy, you know, and yeah. that's how they get you. That's how they get you. <laughs> They're getting design. us. <laughs> it's by design. <sighs> I would have, I probably would have deleted it off my phone long ago. Um, so, uh, but you know, it's, I, I have managed to, um, be very, you know, uh, social media for me is I, while, while I have it, it's not, uh, a focus in my career or my life. I don't use it. I don't actually, I don't use it to promote my career at all. My personal social media, it's almost like a, I use it as a highlight reel to keep track of like, you know, my kids stuff or, yeah. you know, so that my, my family out of, out of town can see it. It's, it has, it really has nothing to do. I don't promote any, I rarely promote any fitness things on, yeah. on there. Cause I just think it's like, you know, you, they're not going to have the context behind it. Like they're, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm a fitness professional that does not have six pack abs, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'm, um, and you know, that's what people want to see and I'm not doing that. So (laughs) there you go. You've said your piece about it. Now, Brooke, our time is up, but how, that wasn't nerve wracking. You're not, come on. That was us. It's just me and you. (laughs) <laughs> it was just me and you. It was good. Just how it always is. You know, it was a bunch of people were here, but you know, right now it's just me and you. And uh I'm grateful that you uh accepted to be on. I wasn't sure if you would, because I know you're like, oh no, this stuff. You know, <laughs> but you did great. You did awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it was very you did too. I mean you did too. Thanks. <laughs> 
Well, listen, we'll be in touch and uh, I'm looking forward to the response from this one. I think it's a very personal one and kind of a time machine episode a little bit. So yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brooke, for your time. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut, or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine. And when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences. And it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut, stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.